You're listening to Illini Life Audio, messages from a community of Christian believers on the campus of University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. For more audio and video content, visit IlliniLife.org. A reading from the book of Matthew. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. Hey, can I tell you guys a story? Okay. Well, let me tell you a story about Nick and Ruth Ripkin. I don't know if you guys have heard of these guys before, but they are, they are missionaries, and they, along with their three kids, um, served for 30, have served for 32-plus years uh, this command that Michael just read for us, to go and make disciples of all nations. They spent a time in Malawi and in South Africa, and then they moved to Nairobi, Kenya, in the early 1990s. Uh, from there, they went into uh, the nation of Somalia and worked during the Somalian Civil War, if those of you know that sort of time in history, early in the 1990s. The Civil War there, and it's also one of the greatest humanitarian crises ever. Okay? So they and their teams served throughout the Horn of Africa. Somalia is in the Horn of Africa. And within famine and war zones, They resettled refugees, they provided famine relief, and they operated mobile medical clinics. Super cool. Their story is amazing. And they did this all in the name of Jesus. And so they interacted with with believers in Somalia, Christian believers in Somalia, many of whom were formerly Muslim. And these believers, because of that, were, were persecuted for their faith, and many died and were killed for being Christian. And in fact, the Ripkins in their time uh, in Somalia effectively saw more people die for the name of Jesus than come to believe in who Jesus says he is. And then um, near the end of their tenure in Somalia, uh, on an Easter Sunday, much like we just had, um, on the morning they they lost their 16-year-old son to an asthma attack. And I think about um, a story like this, and I think, Jesus, what were you thinking? All nations? All the time? Is it worth it? Like, if the, if the subtraction is more than the addition, is this thing even good? Is this even worth it? It makes me wonder, I don't know if you guys feel it's like, God, are you good in the midst of all of this? Well, I'm going to give you a spoiler. I would not be up here if I didn't believe God was good. We're not introducing a new theology as a church. Um, the God of Christianity, the God of the Bible, the God of Abraham and Isaac, and Jacob, this God, he is good. And I think that's super foundational on this Missions Illinois Sunday to start talking about the goodness of God, because otherwise the mission of God, who cares? 
So let me start. First thing God did that was good is God created. Now, I know there are some, and maybe some of you even here in this room would feel like, man, life is not worth it. But I, I look at the heavens and the stars and the uh, mountains and the oceans and the sand that gets everywhere, um, and I look at people in my life, and I say, this is this is glorious, this creation, this breath I have in my lungs, amazing. God is good. And then God chose to take some of his creation and make it specifically in his image, which is just so crazy. He chose to give us his image. What's that mean? It means a lot of things, but I think one of the most beautiful things it means is we, we get to create just like God did. And so we take the creation and we make art and beautiful buildings and we make food that's like the foods that God gave us already taste good, and then we combine them. Like, God is good. He made us in his image. And being in his image, we also have the ability to, to create and choose and live our lives in the way God had given us. And he gave us some, some direction and said, hey, this is something you should do. This is something you shouldn't do, much like I would with my daughter uh, or my son. Um, but they decided to say, God, maybe we just, we consistently say, God, maybe we just have a little better way than you do. Like, let's just try this out this way. And so they, they broke relationship and hid. Not only did they disobey God, but then they hid from God. And I think how many of us do this when we, when we sin, when we, when we do wrong, if that helps you, if we disobey God, we hide from him and break relationship. But even when we are not good, God is good. This, this fall of man that you hear me describe, maybe you've heard it uh, as a story of Adam and Eve, and if you don't know that story, um, I would love to tell it sometime. But right after this disobedience, um, where the serpent, um, who is you know, evil, animalified, uh, goes ahead and, and tempts Adam and Eve to do something. And so let's, see, let's look at God's goodness real quick here in Genesis chapter 3, right after this temptation and this disobedience. So the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you've done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. Once again, man, we're just blame shifters. Um, so the Lord God said to the serpent, he's going to give a curse to the man and the woman. We're not going to get to that today. But he says to the serpent, because you've done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust in all the days of your life. And I will put enmity Right, disagreement between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So for those of you that uh, want to learn something like theological today, this is what often people, theologians call the proto-evangelon, like the earliest version of the good news being declared. Okay, and so uh, ultimately God has offered a way to restore relationships and pray the, pay the price for our wrong. And this call of a serpent head crusher comes to us uh, in Jesus. And so, so let me say this specifically. Our God is good because our God is distinctively good. This does not happen in any other worldview where God says, hey, I'll take care of it for you. I will cover it for you myself. And that's why I think and I believe the God of the Bible that's why his mission is good, because he started it. And he said, hey, I'm going to restore relationship, uh, and I am going to invite you to participate in that. <clears throat> now, I think every worldview is asking a few questions. Two of them 
really clearly uh, what went wrong in the world. Why is it the way it is? That makes sense? And the second question, how do we make it right? In some worldviews, they spend a lot of energy and time focusing on how do we not make things right here, but know that someday it will be right. Someday we'll be reincarnated until we're to another plane and we're fine, uh, and we don't need to worry about this life so much. Some worldviews worry about this life only and say we have to make sure we do as much good here. Uh, One of the most popular rising worldviews in our culture is secular humanism, saying someday people are going to solve all the problems. We're not going to experience it, but maybe our children's children's children will on Mars or something like that. Um, But what I love about Jesus is he cares about the here and the now and the forever, another distinctively Christian thing where Jesus comes in flesh. So Jesus is the son of God. He comes in flesh. He could have come as a you know, spirit or a being. He says, I come in flesh because the flesh matters, because this world matters. And then he died to reconcile a relationship, to pay for this disobedience and say, hey, I will bring you back to me. And then instead of going off into heaven and floating around, he came back and resurrected to say that this life and this world still matter. Resurrection is really important for that. And that's why Christians have started public schools and hospitals and have done justice work around the world because they say this world matters too. And someday this world will be resurrected as well, made new again, because the here and the now and the physical and the spiritual matter. This is distinctively Christian. In fact, a lot of worldviews also wonder like, oh, maybe we'll get this figured out or maybe God will help me out or maybe God will save me. But Jesus on the cross says it is finished. It's done. This is a promise. Um, I was just talking to a friend of mine who's engaged, uh, and uh, I love that engagement. It's sort of this beautiful image of the already, of it is finished, but not yet of everything being brought forth. And those of you who have been engaged, it's this really uncomfortable season where, like, we don't get all the joy of marriage, uh, but we're, we're looking forward to it. And we live in this season where it is finished, and God is restoring things, but we yet, have yet to see the full restoration. That's why God is good. Okay? Let's, um, let's talk about that passage that Michael read for us. This, this happens right after the cross and the resurrection. Um, Jesus spent about 40 days with his followers um, because they're resurrected. You know. And at the end of this time, he says, hey, do you guys want to be a part of this? These are, these are largely considered potentially some of the last words that Jesus said to his followers. And he says a few things. He says, first off, guess what? I am good. You saw that I'm good. Not only am I good, but all authority, everything has been given to me. Heaven, earth, that pretty much covers it. Um, and then he says, hey, in light of that, why don't you guys go try doing this making disciples or followers thing? Disciples, followers, you can sort of use this interchangeably. Um, I think that's kind of a... And I think it's this fascinating thing that um, Jesus would trust us with a few things. That Jesus would say, I believe in what I have done in you, and I believe in my spirit in you, that I would believe in you enough to go and do what he's told you to do. Something else I think is just beautifully and distinctively Christian. So he says, go and make disciples, make followers, baptize them. Which, uh, if you didn't know, this, um, this next month on our Celebration Sunday, which is our last Sunday of the semester, um, we offer baptism. 
And it's where we take and we show this image. Uh, we, we invite you to, if you've never been baptized, you've never um, have um, thought about that, we invite you to a conversation. And then we invite you to be dunked underwater like death and burial and pull above the water like resurrection. This beautiful image of what Jesus did for us, um, we have an opportunity to do that. And Jesus says, hey, this is an act of obedience. Go do this. Baptize people. So the word baptize means immerse. Immerse people in this truth. And teach them. Go and teach them everything I have said to you, to obey it. And he says, I'm with you. Okay, so we, we, we read that right, and like, that's good, but like, um, let, me, let me jump back to um, Nick and Ruth, because that's kind of good. I want to tell you how they saw this play out. Let me finish this story out, and we'll just pray. So one year after they lost their son, uh, God called the Ripkins to begin a global pilgrimage. At this point, they've interviewed over 600 believers in 70-plus countries. Um, many of these countries are closed to Christianity or were at one time. These are countries that they can't tell you where they were when they interviewed the people because there's an opportunity for somebody to get killed if they found out that person's a Christian. But some of these places are places that used to be in the Soviet bloc, countries in East Asia, uh, places where Christianity has thrived in the midst of persecution. And I love that, though, the story of the Ripkins in Somalia is this one of sadness and grief and loss. God is using other places where Christianity is persecuted and making it thrive. God's spirit is very much so alive in this mission. So these people in these countries follow God, even though they might die, and it's worth it because it's true. you want to hear more about their story, about their interviews, about the crazy things God does in these uh, places where persecution happens, uh, I invite you to read Nick's book, The Insanity of God. Um, it's just, a, I think, a really gripping read, and it's got, like, good short chapters. You can read one and, like, forget about the book and then come back to it. And it's just like, but really good stories about God working in the midst of persecution and people thriving. Now, I will say it's interesting that Nick and, and Ruth, they didn't, they didn't come to the United States to interview us or churches like ours um, because there's something about the pressing of, like, is this true or not that causes the, our faith to thrive up here. And I think a lot of us live in a really comfortable American bubble um, with Christianity. Let me be clear. This call to go is not to go make little uh, khaki slack button-up wearing Christians. The gospel is for all cultures. When we go, we don't make Americans. We make Christians. Amen? Let me tell you, if this, if this Great Commission, this is the passage that Michael read for us, if this feels like, duh, or I know that, not compelled by that, that feels like colonialism, whatever it feels like, let me give you another passage. Uh, it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'll read here. It says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. The world doesn't just matter. Something else matters as well. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. At one point, these followers of Jesus thought Jesus was just a man, and then realized he's God, right? So therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. If anyone is a believer, the new creation has come. The old is gone, and the new is here. Resurrection. We talked about it on Easter, right? And this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. 
that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. I think this is just another way to describe this great commission of going, of saying, let's be reconcilers of people to their creator, of people who have said, God, I think I have a better way to, to come and say, God, I'm sorry. And God has said, I forgive you already. Why don't we invite people to that? And so our ministry as a church and as believers, wherever we are, is to invite people to be reconciled to God. This message of reconciliation of the gospel of Jesus, the cross, the resurrection, uh, partnered with a ministry of reconciliation, like bringing mobile medical clinics to Somalia um, and helping resettle refugees. I mean, we can think about in our current day climate, right? But um, I stand before you here today, and I, can, I think if you, if you wanted to critique me, you might be like, well, why didn't you go? Why aren't you in Somalia? Or why aren't you in Turkey right now where refugees are flying out of the Middle East? Not really flying, actually. They're in a really rickety boat, and people are dying. Um, well, let me tell you about myself. Um, I was once in high school, and um, I applied to two colleges. Um, what do you, who, who thinks they applied to the most colleges? Shout out a number if you have a high number. Seven? Does anybody have seven? Ten? Seven? seven eight? Does anybody have eight? Does anybody have eight? Okay. Well, I applied to two. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was too busy playing football in high school. We, we were and four, we were going to the playoffs. I was too busy playing Um, So I applied to the Rose Holman Institute of Technology in Indiana, and I applied to Illinois. Uh, Rose Holman, I could be an engineer. I could maybe play football at the small division three school here. Um, I could not be an engineer if I didn't want to. Um, and so ultimately, after an awkward recruiting visit at Rose Holman, and um, just the reality that I'm not sure if I wanted to be an engineer or not, I came here. And so from the fall of 2004 through the, through the fall of 2008, um, I was an Illinois student. And right before then, I had actually given my life to Jesus my senior year of high school. And so I came and I found a church. I found a line of life. And oh my gosh, there's stories I could tell. But I think in my time in Illinois, I was an Illini of Illini. I was an engineering student. And I was proud of it. Okay. I lived in university dorms. I lived in private certified dorms. I lived in an apartment. I lived in a house. I think I've lived everywhere you can live on this campus. I lived in Urbana. I lived in Champaign. Freshman year, I was in the block I. Um, back when the block I was in the 40-yard line, and the universities liked where students had this, like a good seat instead of the crummy end zone seat you have now. Um, we, were t we were terrible at football, though. So there was, there was a guy in front of me who sat with a paper bag on his head every game. Um, <laughs> basketball, a different matter. My freshman year, I was in the Orange Crush. I mentioned my freshman year was 2004. I went to the Final Four. I went to the National Championship game and saw Illinois get jobbed. Um, my senior year, Illinois football had turned around. They went to the Rose Bowl. Me and some friends hopped in a car. We drove to Pasadena, and we went to the game. I've taken naps in the Union. I kissed my wife at the Eternal Flame. 
Dennis just did the thing. Um, she and I, we got married in the union. Like, I love this place. And as I've gotten to be here longer, I've grown to appreciate more about this campus. The main quad, that's what a university should look like. Imposing, <laughs> scary, but warm and inviting. Where scholarly debate happens, where people throw frisbees and slack line, where people drink free coffee until they have jitters. A passing period It's like watching this symphony come about where the veins have blood flowing through them from from building to building as you guys pass between classes. It doesn't feel that great, right? It feels like, let me get my headphones in so I can listen to like a little something before I go to the next lecture that I hate. Um, (laughs) But it is beautiful. You are the lifeblood of this campus. Our history is prestigious as a university. We are world-renowned. So, at some point, I felt like God was calling me here. And we'll get to the go thing in a second. Because um, do, that doesn't answer, that stuff doesn't answer why I didn't go, right? Everybody loves, like, hopefully you love where you live or you move somewhere you love, right? Um, let me tell you why I think here is such a cool place to go. You guys go here. Does this make sense? Like, um, this university is like a reverse mission field. Make sense? Every year, 10,000 people or so come here, and we stay. We, as an outpost of the kingdom of God, um, fighting against the forces of evil, are missionary campus. I don't know if you know this, but people come from every state in our country. Um, There are nearly 11,000 international students. Someone get this number, because this number is going to blow you away, I hope. 113 countries are represented on our university. Now, like 8,000 of those people are from China, um, <clears throat> which is super cool, right? We have this opportunity to um, invite people from different places into our midst. And they came to learn America, but what if they learned about Jesus? And then people leave every year. It's super sad, but it's super cool. People leave. Can I tell you about what Illini alumni have done or people connected to our university? Some of you hear me talking like I'm serious right now. The transistor. The thing that makes your computer, your phone, everything, the internet go, invented by somebody from here. Okay? The LED, the light-emitting diode, right here. What's cha- you know, those lights are changing the way we use energy in our homes. They also are a flashlight on our phone, uh, invented right here. The MRI, right here. The graphical web browser, before there was Internet Explorer, before there was Chrome, there was Illinois. We have DREZ, Disability Resources. This amazing uh, university is progressive in a way of saying, no matter what your disability, no matter who you are, we want you here. We want you to be able to learn here. Some of our alumni have founded things like PayPal, YouTube, Tesla, Yelp, The structural engineer for the tallest building in the world, the Burj Khalifa, went right here. If you don't care about that stuff, maybe you care about uh, entertainment, Casey. Uh, (laughs) Roger Ebert went right here. Ang Lee, an Academy Award-winning director, went here. Nick Offerman from Parks and Rec went here. Shel Silverstein was expelled from here. Uh, (laughs) 
Uh, Will Leach, Lich, Lich, the founder of Deadspin, which is this amazing conglomerate um, that has started to, these, these different media have broken apart sports media, this monolith that is ESPN and said we can report on things on our own. He's founded that, and he's a writer elsewhere. It's really cool. Red Grange, the greatest college football player to have ever lived on multiple polls, played right here. He was a charter member of the NFL Hall of Fame. These people are sent forth by our university. Now, how cool would it be if these people were sent forth by Jesus as well? We have people who are sent forth by our university by Jesus. I know them. My friend Tim. Uh, Tim works uh, for an international um, clean water organization. Um, it's a Christian organization where he goes and uses his engineering skills and goes to places like Nepal after there's an earthquake and helps people get clean drinking water. While people alongside him help spiritually advise people and share Jesus. My friends uh, Calvin and Julianne have just adopted a kid. And I love the justice of saying life matters, and so we're going to adopt children. We're not just going to let say, hey, don't get abortions. We're actually going to back it up. Uh, Tim Lapatino, um, he's an alumni here. He designed our logo. Uh, he, just, he wrote a book recently called The Art of Atari, and he has this influence in this community of people who are like really niche in like graphic design and old video games. Um, super cool. Kevin Hector, uh, he's an alumni of our ministry. He's a theologian at the University of Chicago. Come on, is there something? That's so freaking cool. Theologian at the University of Chicago. And there are people who've done countless other things that don't get noticed. Um, and countless things I just don't have the time to tell you about who have gone and done amazing things for our university and those who have gone and done amazing things in the name of Jesus. So we go. And I hope that many of you would feel that call to go and do that wherever you end up. To be sent well. That's why I'm here. That's why our church is here. And so we, we have this heart to make disciples, and that starts with, with our church. So we do things here on Sunday where we preach God's word. We tell you to commit to a small group community because we know that's where your faith is going to grow a lot in relationship and rubbing and conflict, and maybe you find some romantic interest. We give out free coffee because we want our campus to know about the generosity of God. We want to train you in loving our campus through conversation and relationship. We have staff and alumni in our midst to help you be mentored through job choices and discipled as you walk with them. And we have a community that we desperately desire to be intimate and open at the same time. It's really hard, right? You've been in communities that are intimate, and you're like, I don't know how to bring someone to that. And communities that are open and don't feel like any connection at all. But our heart is to be both because we think that's what God's call is to be. See, it's not enough to hold this message of reconciliation, ministry of reconciliation to ourselves. If we have an open door and an empty seat at just about everything that we do. At some point, you were invited here, whether it be by a website, whether it be by a friend, whether it be by a free cup of coffee, a cup of lemonade, a flyer, somebody put some effort into inviting you here. And my hope is that no matter where you started your walk with God, by the end of your time here, you will be deeper in waters with Jesus. <clears throat> and then you leave, and you go somewhere. And as you go to those places, 
My hope is that you would continue this call of Jesus to go and make disciples. That's Align Our Life. That's why we do a lot of what we do. But before you go, we want you to be a part of it. I think most of you came here because of something academic. Or maybe because your parents went here, and maybe this was your first experience. Come back now. Um, <clears throat> but what if, just what if you were here to be a missionary? What if you took this command to, to go and make disciples and lived it out right now? That you didn't wait for a certain stage of life where you felt a certain number of not busynesses? Where you didn't wait for a certain stage of life until you had enough knowledge? Where you said, I'm going to participate in this messy process of making disciples now. Because not everybody's going to be here long-term. Not everybody's going to go on staff. But some of you might. Some of you might feel the call to minister on this campus for a longer term than just your time here. Maybe for a year or two longer. Maybe for longer than that. This campus has 46,000-plus people. There is a need for more missionaries. People who are clever. People who are thoughtful about contextualizing the gospel to this place in this time. Some people might stay even. Not everybody's going to, though. Because our culture is like, okay, what job gets me the most money? I'm going to go there. What if you said, I'm going to take the job that keeps me by the people who I love and care for? What if, we, what if you said, I'm going, to do, I'm going to commit to staying as an act of love? So you could be Kyle Klepper to someone. You could be Amber King to someone. And I just think it's amazing to have these men and women in our midst who have stayed because they believe in the campus. But even if you're not going to come on staff, and even if you're not going to stay, and even if you're going to be sent at some point, unless you're a senior, you're here next year. That's why you're here. Um, You are here next year. So maybe on this Mission Illinois Sunday, as I talk about our mission that God has given us where we live and where we learn, would you consider taking a step forward? Maybe you need to like pull out your note card and take notes on a Sunday to, rem- to retain the stuff we're talking about. Maybe you need to start a Bible plan. Maybe you need to ask somebody to help you follow Jesus. Maybe you need to commit to a small group community and say, no matter what, I am there. This is like my favorite class of the week and I'm not missing it. And then next fall, would you help us with the invasion of 10,000 people to our campus? Can I just be real? I don't say this a lot. We need you for this because you are a way better missionary than I am because you know the slang, you know the lingo, you're in the classes, you look like a college student, you act like a college student. You are the best missionary because you are in the conference. Uh, The Ripkins, their goal is to raise up indigenous local missionaries to do the works. That's what we do on a campus every year. We want to help you guys be lights and ministers of reconciliation wherever you are. Missionary sounds like really scary and big. It's not hard. And there's such a spiritual reward for that. So instead of rolling in on quad day and acting like you're above the fray and saying like, I'm excited, or things like that, would you join us for the hecticness? Would you join us as we welcome freshmen and transfers and grad students into our campus. If the university is good at welcoming people, let's be better. 
So that's why we do this thing, our, sort of our mission trip to campus that we call Mission Illinois. It's spelled like Mission Ill, not missional, it's clever. <clears throat> we work together as a team, as a church. We hand out cool lemonade because it's hot. We hand out flyers about our ministry to invite people to what we're doing. We take surveys so we can follow people up. We have smiling and friendly faces with big, incredible logos on them. Um, just a side note. Our logo, if you're wondering, is with the new Incredibles movie came out. We had it first. Just saying. Okay. <clears throat> um, I know you can be a part of this. I know you can be a smiling face. I know you can hand out a cup of lemonade. I know you can love people well. But I, I want to tell you more about that. But I think the best way to tell you more about it is, can you come, come have dinner with me next week? Okay? So next Sunday, um, April 15th, at 5 o'clock, Twin City Bible Church in Urbana, we're having Mission Illinois Vision Week. Okay, so this is our sort of, this, today's our message about this, to talk about why we even would bother with this. And then at Mission Illinois Vision Night, we're going to talk about kind of the mechanics of the early fall as well as just our small group ministry in general, how you can take a step further in it, become a core member of your small group, invite people to come around, and then we're also going to celebrate our small group leaders. So if you're a small group leader now, be there. We want to celebrate you and thank you. It's like a banquet for Align in Life. We want our whole church to be there. It's an all-church fun dinner time. So put on your calendar, ask off for work, um, get a free meal, and come be with me. Come be with me and learn about what God's doing, um, and we hope God will do what we're setting up for God to be doing at this place. This mission is key, and it's key because you're here. You're already in it. Um, and the influence our alumni who follow Jesus have is incredible. So why wouldn't you learn to be one of those alumni now by practicing it and invite somebody else to continue that legacy? I want to take a step further um, and see how God might move in and through you after something like Mission Illinois. I'm going to pray, and we're going to move on to something else.